it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, too, to be in uh, Prentice's stead, and really thankful for him, and also uh, Taylor, and praying that she uh, feels better um, and gets well, um, as I know she's feeling um, under the weather. And so today, we get a chance and an opportunity to jump into uh, probably, uh, I'd say, it's maybe the most famous parable. I don't know. What do you guys think is the most famous parable? Good Samaritan? Yeah, you know what? That, that actually probably is the most famous one. Okay, well then in that case, I got track number two, okay? Uh, the most second famous parable uh, it is called the parable of the lost son. Now, here's the issue. In your Bible, you'll see it's in Luke chapter 15, and it's verses 11 through 32. Depending on what translation you have, your title may say the parable of the lost son. Anybody, does it, do any of yours say that? Yeah, lost son. Does, it say any, does anybody have any other title header in verse 11 through 32? Prodigal son, yours says prodigal son. The prodigal and his brother. That's kind of that's kind of messed up. And his brother, the prodigal and his brother. Okay, so here's here's the truth, that the the word of God is is inspired and inerrant and unchanging, but these chapter headers are not. <laughs> so this one is called the parable of the lost son in many Bibles, and we know it as the parable of the lost son, but it's. Actually, if you were going to use that maybe phrasing, it would actually be more of the parable of the lost sons. Or you could talk about the parable of the father's love. So we're, why would I say that? Let's read and, and jump into God's word. So Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, going through 32. And also, um, the way I read the Bible is I try to read it like it's the story. Uh, I can't read that well. Uh, I, I do have a superpower, like I know Avengers at, at Marvel or Comic-Con just released all these new trailers, you know, the new Black Panther trailer. Oh, my gosh, I just started crying. Um, I mean, in all these different types of trailers, uh, and, and, and it's, you try to read with, with, with emotion. But I am like an Avenger. I have a superpower of switching words backwards and putting letters in places where they, they don't go. So please forgive me. It's called dyslexia, if you were wondering what it was. Um, as I read, uh, I want to read it, and I want us to feel the text, okay? So Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. He also said, this is Jesus, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he had squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. Now, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired workers. 
So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf. You know it is a party when it's a fattened calf being brought. And slaughter it. Sorry, vegans. Sorry. Sorry, vegetarians. This is about to be a real party up in here. He said, let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of his servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. Then he became angry and did not want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he, the son, replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving away many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who was devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, the reason why this is called the parable of the lost sons rather than son is because we will see that there are two sons who have gone far from home. Traditionally, this text is taught as one son who leaves home. But what we'll see here is that the other son has also left home. Here in verses 11 through 13, we see that Jesus is telling this story or uh, this parable. The, the word parables uh, or what parables are are like illustrations. Like if you, if you see uh, or listen to rap music, rap music is very, very similar to Hebrew idioms in the Hebrew language. That there are di many different things that they use to communicate pictures. Jesus probably would have failed seminary preaching and teaching. Because when we look at the text and we do it this way, we, we preach through the word and we teach expositionally. Sometimes we te teach topically and we use illustrations. But Jesus's whole teachings would typically be parables, stories. They're like, well, sorry, Jesus. I don't know if you exegetically beasted that scripture because you just told a story about a kid who just dipped on his dad and left. You see, but the parables are Jesus's way of trying to get uh, us to understand the reality of his kingdom. If you understand at this particular time, 
the gospel accounts, Jesus is on his inaugural campaign trip teaching people about the kingdom. As we talked about last time when I was here about the politics, that Jesus is not for your political party, he's for his kingdom and for himself, where he is the king and he rules all things perfectly and justly with full equitable uh, and equity and full justice, eternal health care, everything free, grace upon grace is how he rules. And he is going through and telling people these parables and healing people, showing him his campaign promises. That this is what I will deliver as I am king. So the purpose of the parable is to communicate a truth of the kingdom. To talk about the coming kingdom of God. Verses 11 through 13 talk about the leaving home in the request. You see, the younger brother thought, that getting away from his father, he would have more autonomy, freedom, and control over his life. But in the end, he ended up being enslaved by those things. You know, the scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So here this son is coming to his father. In this culture, the way that it worked is your dad would need to die first. And then the proceeds or his net worth, all his money would then go to the firstborn son. So you can already see that this story is all kind of toe up from the flow up. And if you want to know what that means, it's very complex. This is a very complex situation. Because he is not supposed to really even get an inheritance because it's really supposed to go to the son. Now, here's one thing that we need to delineate in between the way that we as Western Americans uh, read this text. When we read this and be like, oh, he got some of his money from his dad and just left. And then, oh, you know what? That's kind of, he's messing up, uh, he's messing up this part of the son stuff um, because, you know, what's happening? No, here's what's going on. We like to think of when our parents pass away or our parents leave us an inheritance, we only think merely in terms of possessions and money. And this time, it was responsibility. The older son was going to have the responsibility of providing for his mother, his wife if he's married, his brother, all his family. He was going to be the one responsible, the older brother. And yet, this younger son was given money and his share from his father before his father died. Essentially, his son is saying, hey, man, go hurry up and die, but I just need my money. I know I'm supposed to get this now or later, but I just want my money and I'm not even worried about you. So he doesn't even want to spend time with his father. He wants to dip out and go live his own life. You see, but in the end, he ended up being enslaved by his autonomy and his desire for the things that he wanted. The younger brother blew all his dough. He blew all his money in his inheritance, and it could not satisfy the craving that he longed for. All of the living, 
as his brother would say, the dude was sleeping with prostitutes. And now all of a sudden, he's coming back, and you're cool with this? He came and he wasted all his money. His, the son's craving of control that he deeply longed for. You know, there are things that we think will give us that security that we deeply long for. And every single day, God, in his grace, has given us grace upon grace. And we can be looking at this story and being like, man, that dude, he's faulty. He messed up. But how much every day does God, our Father, give us the gift of himself in grace and we squander it every single day? We've been gifted his love. And yet we go to other things that we think will love us back and we squander it every day. If you're wondering which son are you today, I'm going to tell you the answer. We are, and I said we're, not you. We're both of them. We are both of these sons in this story. This word squandered in the original languages means out of control. So this young cat, this young buck, he's out of control. He's OC. Or in the streets, we would say, you're doing too much. He's out there doing way too much. You see, although, again, he keeps trying to live his life the way that he wants to live, you see, but there are things that we believe bring us freedom, but we actually end up being enslaved by them. You see, the truth of the gospel is that abundant life is not found in our autonomy or our control to fulfill our heart's desires with what we want. But our true life, a true abundant life, is found with all of the pleasures and the reality that we have in a good and heavenly Father. You see, we're, we're searching for it so much. We're searching for it. But the reality is, is that you don't need to search. It's already there and present. But God in his grace is amazing. And sometimes when we sing this song, Amazing Grace, I can't sing. I almost started singing it. And my wife probably would have been like, what are you doing? Stop singing. We sing the song about how amazing God's grace is. You see, but God's grace sometimes is a grace that we don't like very much. You see, in the text it says that while this young man was living crazy, driving in the fast lane, a severe famine struck the land. This was actually a famine of grace. Some of us today are encountering a famine in our lives. And it may actually be that through your decisions to rebel and to run away from God, to look for what you want outside of God and his will and his way, that the land that you were in, that there was a famine. That all of a sudden, everything that you wanted, everything that was being given to you is no longer, your needs are no longer being met. Friends, this is a famine of grace. You know why? Because sometimes God needs to bring you to the end of yourself before you actually see who he is. You see, so God allows this famine in this story to happen. 
This is a famine of grace. Severe famine wiped out the economy and left the younger son with nothing. Now, how many of us have been there? Maybe only one of us has. Where you're in that wrong relationship. That relationship that you were just so fixated on. This was my boo. Man, we, we just, ah, man. God, if you could just do this. Man, I won't ask nothing from you. If you can just keep us together, or if you can just keep this job, if you can just keep this situation, while all the time you're just rejecting him, rejecting him, rejecting him, and then all of a sudden it's gone. It's a famine. Now all that support and love that you wanted to get, you no longer get. Now all those things that you really, really were holding on to, you no longer get, you no longer receive. You're left with nothing. The out-of-control living only leaves you empty and craving more. You see, sin and living our own way never leaves any lasting satisfaction. It's just true. And if you're not there yet, you maybe have been there in the past. Or maybe you're going there. And I'm here to remind you of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even in the famine, even in the sons living wild and reckless, the love of his father had never changed. The son might have positionally left his home, but the son's love for the father had left his home, but the love of the father had never left for his son. He was still his son, even though he was gone. He was still his son, even though he was gone. Friends, I want you to know today, if you're gone today, I want to invite you to come back home. The Father is still loving you. He's still inviting you to come home. His love for you has never changed. He loves you so much that he would not even force his own self upon you. Look, think, think about that. His son asked him for his stuff. He said, give me my stuff, fam. I'm out. And the Father gave it to him. As a dad of two younger girls... I think about the days where they leave often. I think about those days. Or I think about the days where they're going to be looking at these boys. And I'm going to be like, ah, you know what? I know the Lord, uh, the Lord loves, you know, the Lord loves uh, prisoners. I'll, I'll, I'll hurt a dude for you. I can do prison ministry inside. I mean, Everybody else in the, all the other disciples went to jail. I'll, I'll do it for you. And I, but I think about these things, about the decisions that as a parent you want your children to make that are the right decisions. And you're going to think that these are right decisions because you know, and your children will choose differently. This is a great text of thinking about what it's like as a parent. And if you don't have children, think about how you have done your parents. Some of y'all might owe your parents an, <laughs> an apology after this sermon. 
But the goal of the parent is to raise the child in the way that they should go so that when they are older that they don't depart from it. But how many of y'all have went your own way? I know I have. We go our own way. But our parents' love for us should never be contingent upon our performance. And that's the difference between the unconditional love of God and the love of us. Is even as good parents, we can fail tremendously. We can fail epically. But the truth of the gospel and the good news of Jesus is that God the Father loves us unconditionally. That he's just waiting for us to return home. You see, verse 14, verses 15 through 17 is very interesting. The younger son is now responsible for feeding pigs that he will now eat anything that they want just like him. If you know anything about pigs, that's why a lot of reasons why people don't want to eat pork is because pigs just eat anything. They, they eat whatever. And as he, and you think about this context too, in the Jewish culture and context, pig and pork is one of the number one things that you need to be staying away from to obey the Torah. But these were some of these things that would make you unclean. So here this young man is feeding pigs because he didn't lost his job. The only thing that he can do is feed the pigs. And he's feeding the pigs who will eat everything they want and anything they want, which is a crazy contrast because he is now being given over to things that he just was. He was eating and doing anything that he wanted, sleeping with whoever he wanted, being in whatever kind of relationship he wanted, eating everything and anything that he wanted. And now he is feeding animals that do whatever they want. And in the flip, he is so poor, so hungry, that he comes to the point to where he wants to eat what the pigs eat. He wants to eat everything that they eat. He has gotten so low to the point to where he feels like he needs to eat the food that was for pigs. Friends, sometimes when we're in our life and we've walked and wandered away from God, we have gotten so deep that we think that it's better to stay at the rock bottom where we're at than go home. That guilt, that shame. You know what? I've already messed up. I've already messed it up with God. I've already messed it up with my spouse. I've already messed it up with my friends. I've already messed it up with my children. I've already messed it up with my parents. I'm just going to have to eat my lot. I'm just going to have to eat and suffer all of the consequences for my actions. And friends, there will be consequences for our actions. But our consequences for our actions are not final. The love and forgiveness of God is final. That when God would look at you, that he would look at me, he would say, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Not on the account of your performance, but on the account of Jesus' performance, his perfect life, being sinless, and him giving his life for your life, his righteousness, in exchange for your sin, in exchange for my sin. 
Oh, there will be consequences. The deepest of all consequences were dealt with on the cross. They were eternally put on Jesus so that you can be eternally forgiven. Friends, you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to eat the food that was meant for the pigs. You can come home. And as we'll see here, you can come home and you can have a party with your father. In verse 17, it says that he comes to him since his senses, meaning he's starting to realize the effort or the error of how he was living and what he had done. And this is why the famine struck the land in verse 14 is why I would call it a famine of grace. I don't want any bad thing to happen to any of us. But, oh, I pray for all of us today, myself included, that God would bring grace. And sometimes that grace comes with a famine. It could be financial. It could be relational. It could be health. It could be anything. All of those things can be used for God to get our attention, not because he wants to harm us, but because we've chosen something else. And he's going to show us by grace in them who he is and what he has for us. Often God allows in our choices, in our out-of-control behavior, an inability to satisfy the deepest longings and give us the things that we want so that in the end we will hit rock bottom or better yet, we would return home. Verse 18 through 19, the son has his I'm sorry speech. You guys ever had the I'm sorry speech? Where you done, you done messed up, hey, hey, Ron, right? You know, you messed up and you're practicing your speech. You're starting to think to yourself, okay, I've got to practice this because here's what I'm going to say. And then you start to have conversations with yourself and replies. Well, what if they reply this way? If they reply this way, then I'll say this, and then I'll say that. Here's the interesting thing he says in verse 18, this younger son. I'll get up. And I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's good, that's good, yeah, yeah. And then, um, um, uh, yeah, make me, make, make me like one of your hired workers. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends, he does not have the authority for his father to say that he is no longer his son. He's already made that decision. He and himself made that decision. But guess what? That's not a decision, and that's not something that his father said. You see, oftentimes, we like to add extra shame on top of ourselves, extra trauma because of our sin and wandering away from God. But God ain't never said, you can't be my son. The father never says, you can't be my son. You see, we've all done this before to our parents or our God. The I'm sorry speech. We start to build an apology that we think is worthy enough for forgiveness. 
And then oftentimes with God, we want to be accepted uh, on the terms of this, of being an employee of God rather than being his children, his beloved children, his beloved child. Some of us are trying to come to God in our fallenness, in our brokenness, and say, God, you don't need, I, I, I just, I just want to be an employee. Just hire me. I know all the people in your house, I mean, you take care of them good. You pay them well, they get to eat. I don't even care about being your child anymore. I just went back in. You see, again, coming home means also coming to the understanding that it's not just about coming into the home. It's about going to the love of the Father. He's missing that his Father loves him deeply. You see, oftentimes we think, you and I think, that God is into hiring us as co-workers as opposed to adopting us as his children. The Father doesn't need employees. He got legions of angels out there. He don't need employees, but he wants children. He wants to adopt us as children. He's not looking for employees. You see, we are beloved people, beloved children of our Heavenly Father. Verses 20 through 24, this is the father's response. The father saw his son and ran to him. Can you think about that? Far off, his father sees his son. His father's looking all undignified, pulling up his robe, running to his son. They would look down upon this father. How could you accept this young man who came and was acting crazy and wilding out, who dishonored you? He dishonored us. He dishonored our family. And yet he, this father ran to his son. And the son was not greeted with a slap in the face. The son was not greeted with, oh, what happened? Now you came back, huh? Do you need a couch to sleep on? You need some money? What you want? No. The son was greeted with affection and a kiss from his father in joy that his son returned home. Some of us think that returning home to God means that God is ready to just straight take a sword and beat us to death, or a club and beat us to death, or a sword and go to town on us, or go to town on us with his words and saying, I can't believe you did this. Who are, who do you think you are? No, 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 no. When you return to God, God is arms wide open, saying, come. Come to me. Come to me. I'm here. I love you. I forgive you. You see, grace and forgiveness from God, we don't get that from God punishing us or even from us punishing ourselves. You can't self-punish yourself enough for God's forgiveness. You can't. You cannot with your thoughts, with your actions, and even ending your life, you cannot atone for your failure to God. And that is good news. 
Because one atonement already happened. Jesus' atonement. And it was an eternal atonement that forever covers your sins. Meaning that you have a heavenly Johnny Cochran who is, as the scriptures would say, as an advocate before the Father, forever pleading for your innocence, saying, as the devil, the accuser of the brethren says, hey, you know her? You know what she did? You know what he did? They're worthy of death. And Jesus says, but I have atoned for their sins. Yeah, but they acted like they loved you, but then they just dipped on you. I know, but I have atoned for their sins. Well, they said that they believed in you, but then they kept tripping off. Yes. You hear what I'm saying? Heaven's paralegal. Heaven's Johnny Cochran is always eternally in defense of us. Showing us how much he loves us in his eternal sacrifice. You see, the son is greeted with affection and with a kiss. The good news of the gospel is that our heavenly father is always welcomes us home. No matter what we've done in our past. Verses 23 to 23 show us that how God the father celebrates us when we return home. Verses 25 through 32, we see the other son. This is why it's called the parable of the prodigal sons. The older son was angry. Why? He says, I've been a good boy. I've been doing all the right things, trying so hard, but I was never celebrated. You see, the older son was just as far home, away from home than his younger brother. The older son was performing. He was doing religious duties, morality, and he was all burned out. You see, some of us have said, no, I've been doing this Christian thing thing. I'm going to church. I'm showing up at Bible study. But guess what? The son left home because he didn't even love his father. That's what the text feels like. He just says, I've been doing all these things for you, dad, and you ain't give me no goat. I like to think, dad, you didn't give me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Where's my goat? I was here the whole time. I just can't even believe you. You see, he's burned out on his performance, so much so that he doesn't even go into the house to see what's going on. He says to one of his servants, a hired hand, hey, come through, doc. What's going on in the house? Your brother's home. They killed a fatted calf. I ain't going home. Boom, right there. He's not going home because all his performance did not give him what he wanted. Friends, some of us have been seeking to follow Jesus so much so. I'm trying to do this Jesus thing. I'm trying to talk about the gospel thing, and it's just not working. I can't do this no more because it didn't give us what we wanted. Our morality, our performance. You see, but you can't perform your way into God's love. God's love is from the performance base of Jesus on the cross. You see, even in verse 30, The the older son says to his dad, this son of yours, he didn't even say my brother. He didn't even say his name. He said, this son of yours, the older son, the older son is so angry that he can't even say his brother. In contrast, in verse 32, the father says this, this brother of yours came home. So we had to celebrate. 
He was dead, and now he's alive. The anchor of this parable is found in verse 31. The father says this, son, you are always with me. You see, the sons, both of these sons want their dad's possessions. They want their father's possessions, but not the father himself. Both of them are lost. One has dipped, wanted his stuff. The other is waiting for his dad to die so he can get his stuff. But they don't love the father. They are both lost. They are both prodigal. But God says, you are with me. You are with me. And I love this quote from this commentator named Henry Nowen. He says this about the older son. I had been working very hard on my father's farm, but had never fully tasted the joy of being at home. Is that you today? Have you been so focused on your religious duties, your prayer, your churching, your community groups, all the stuff, that you've been so focused on all that stuff, you've been working on the farm, but you haven't taken the joy of being at home, that God is your father, and you live in his home that's full of grace, mercy, and truth. Ending with this, on the cross, if you see the picture of the cross, there's three crosses, and we know this from the the scriptures, that on either side of Jesus, there were two thieves. You see, but it's just like this. There are still two thieves on either side of the cross. The middle, Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. The gospel, the, the way of the gospel. On the left is the older son, full of religion and performance, And on the right is irreligion, the son who wants to live the way he wants to live. They're both two thieves that steal joy from the gospel. Both of these steal joy from the gospel. So friends, I invite you today to come home. That it's not about your performance. It's about Jesus' performance. There's no mistake that you've made or mistakes that you're making that stop God's love for you. He is here to love you. And if you have been performing, and you've been trying, and you're tired of the hamster wheel of performance, come home. You don't have to perform for God's love. The ultimate performance was already done with Jesus on the cross. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be under your word, to hear your truth, to know your deep love and affection for us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that you would give your only son to make a wretched treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. How great that pain of loss. God, I pray that we would remember that you lost everything so that we could gain everything in you. God, may my friends be encouraged to come home today, that they would not work on the farm, 
of approval, but that they would know that they have a home and that anyone who has wandered away from you can wander back because the truth is, is we are both these sons. And God, we thank you that you graciously receive us back in your spirit by your grace. We thank you for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.